I'm Derek Thompson, longtime writer with The Atlantic Magazine on tech, culture, and politics. There is a lot of noise out there, and my goal is to cut through the headlines, loud tweets, and hot takes in my new podcast, Plain English. I'll talk to some of the smartest people I know to give you clear viewpoints and memorable takeaways. Plain English starts November 16th. Listen for free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Off the Pike, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of this episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome into Off the Pike. I'm Brian Barrett. We are recording on Sunday. Patriots, of course, unfortunately, well, fortunately, go down to the Chiefs. We didn't want to win because then you would have messed up the draft pick. But three-time Super Bowl champ James White will join us as he does each and every week. The first part you'll hear is from our FanDuel TV show. And then we went down memory lane a little bit with James. We got into the 2019 Patriots. I don't know how we got onto the 2019 Patriots, but we talked about the 2019 Patriots, not just this game in particular. And... I do want to get to some Celts as well as they sweep the Orlando Magic in this two-game miniseries. They, of course, swept Cleveland in their two-game miniseries earlier in the week. But before that, first thing you'll hear is James White on our FanDuel TV show. I'm Brian Barrett from Off the Pike, and joining us now as he does after each and every Patriots game, it is three-time Super Bowl champ James White. James, it was competitive early in this game for the Patriots, but then sort of the Chiefs proved that they're the reigning Super Bowl champs, and the Patriots looked like a team that only has three wins on the season. I thought really the biggest thing to me was night and day from the first half of the game where Zappi was playing well. He was 17 and 19 and he comes out of halftime five of 12. But I think that everything sort of turned when he threw that interception where there's really no reason to make that pass. Yeah, most definitely. He was, he looked comfortable. He was letting it rip in the first half, spreading the ball around, getting the ball to Hunter Henry a ton. And then after that interception and, Kind of all hell kind of broke loose. I thought, I thought the protection started to progressively get worse as the game went on. So that played a factor. You know, guys weren't getting open. And that's kind of what it's been for the quarterbacks all year long. When things, when it's a bad play, they seem to make it worse. And there was no reason for him to try and force that ball into that coverage, just throw it away or run it, get a couple yards, let the fight another play. That's just been the issue. I think guys are just pressing to make a play, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah, and in particular with Zappi, like even after that, where he had that interception where, as we mentioned, there's no reason to throw that. But then to your point, he gets sacked on the next series. The next series after that, he gets sacked. And then 
He has this throw where I think he was trying to throw it to Douglas. It was closer to the safety. That could have easily been an interception as well. So I just look at Zappi and he's had this sort of an opportunity and he deserves it based on what Mac was not able to do. And Zappi played pretty well against Pittsburgh, although it was good in the first half and it was not good (laughs) in the second half, kind of similar to what we saw in this game today. So I just look at it from the perspective of if Zappi had any chance to prove like he's the guy going forward, I, I just I can't envision in that happening. Yeah, I don't think he's the guy going forward. And that's not a shot at him. I mean, I think he can still be on the roster next year as well as Mac. Man, they can compete, whether it's competing for a starting job, competing for the backup job. He's a guy who hasn't played that many significant stats. So, hey, I mean, he's shown some flashes. He's shown, you know, potentially what he can do. He hasn't put it together for four quarters, but he's done it for a half. But as a quarterback, you need to be able to show up in both halves, you know, help your team win, which they had no running game whatsoever today. So that that plays a big factor into it. They probably ran for like two yards a carry. There was absolutely nothing. It was essentially just drop back. And I thought Zeke missed quite a few protections. He blew a few blitzes today. I'm not sure. If, I mean, that's just what I can assume from the running back position. I mean, it could be the offensive line. may not be him, but at times it just looked like he was typically when running back, you're trying to get out the backfield, you're running to your alignment and somebody's unblocked. It's probably the, <laughs> it's probably you that missed the blitz. And I, I saw that quite a few times from him. And yeah, the protection just – progressively got worse and for a quarterback a young quarterback especially like zappy you need you know an effective run game to help him out make him feel comfortable you don't want him dropping back throwing it you know 40 50 times a game i know he did that in college but it's a little bit different in the league and kansas city has a really good defense this is the best defense you know they've had in you know a few years and they've been carrying their football team and in the they just let it loose in the second half they were they were dial up quarter blitzes you know sending pressure you know chris jones started to come alive and they just started attacking us yeah, and to your point about the running game, Cole Strange goes down in this game. I'm not saying he's the reason that they could run the ball or that Mac or that Bailey Zappi rather <laughs> was getting pressured, but I just feel bad for him because obviously he's trying to get his career get get going here, and that looked bad. that looked nasty, and you could yeah. tell that he was in a ton of pain when that happened. But you think about it too, just if you look at the numbers in this one, Zeke ran 11 times for 25 yards, 2.3 yards per carry. The team ran for 48 yards, 18 came on the Harris touchdown run. So really they had like one efficient run for the entirety of the game. They couldn't really do anything. And what you were bringing up in terms of Zeke missing stuff, I felt like that was an issue all game long for the team where every time it felt like, and this may sound slightly hyperbolic, but every time it felt like they blitzed, they got to Zappy. Like, was there no like huts? Like, I don't understand that, James. Like, why, why weren't there easy passes out of the blitz? It felt like they were trying to like have these long developing plays down the field when they were getting blitz. This this brings me back to the whole Bill O'Brien thing. I don't know what he does here. Well, to me, that's that's on the players. I don't think they were they weren't bringing you know more blitzes than they can block. Either the line was missing it, you know Bailey wasn't getting the protection right, or Zeke was blowing his blitz pickup. It was some of that. So it's where Bailey should feel comfortable in the pocket. He should trust the protection, but there's just unblocked guys, especially on third down. They were two for twelve on third down. They're going up against a defense like that, who they execute at a high level on third down. Steve Spagnola, he's he's going to dial a blitz zero. He's going to send guys from all over the field, disguise. If you can't pick it up, he's going to keep sending it. And that's, that's what they did, especially in the second half. I mean, you smell blood in the water. You saw them do it to the Jags last year in the playoffs. They sent a corner blitz like every third down against Trevor Lawrence, and they couldn't figure it out. He's just going to keep sending it. He's an aggressive play caller. And we've played against him multiple times. This is just what he does. And I thought – whether it was the line, whether it was Zappy, whether it was Zeke, they just weren't coordinated when it came to picking up the blitzes. 
yeah, it was ugly all around. And I do wonder if that's why, and I'm not justifying it because I hated it. They were down 27 to 10 at their own 42 with a fourth and three when the fourth quarter had like just gotten underway. Now, in this game, like if you were going to try to win, you're going to have to score a lot more points. So I don't know why you're giving up a possession there when you have three yards to gain. I wonder if if it's because of after the interception, maybe Bill lost faith in, in Bailey Zappi. He already lost faith in Mac Jones. I don't know why I brought up Mac in, but obviously the offense was not doing much. But at the same time, it's 27 to 10. If you're going to try to win that game, you go for a fourth and three. I have no idea why they decided to punt that. Yeah, they probably should have went for it in that scenario, but. I said sometimes as a coach, you kind of you kind of see your quarterback starting to tread lightly a little bit. You don't want to put the ball his hand put it, put the ball in his hands in that situation. See him make a bad play, but in a sense, I mean, he probably would have took a shot down the field. That's what I'm assuming he might have did or threw it down the field. And it's essentially whatever they could have got a pick, and it's it's like a punt. But yeah, I thought they should have went for it in that situation. Going up against an offense that you know can score points. I know they haven't you know been as electric as they've been the last several seasons, but you got to be a little bit more aggressive in that situation if you want to win. Yeah, I just, from my perspective, I feel like that sends the wrong message to the team too, right? Like, hey, uh, are we going to try to win this game or are we punting this one away? Not to say that Bill's tanking. Now, personally, I like the fact that the Patriots lost the game because it means you're closer to getting that number two pick. And oh, by the way, the Panthers won a football game. So the the Bears of the Panthers pick are now at two wins. So I had never thought that it would be possible that you could possibly chase down the number one pick, but who knows? The Panthers' <laughs> schedule is like relatively easy or relative, like in terms of if you compare it to the Patriots, they have better chances to win. They play Jacksonville coming up, who's not a great team. or I mean, they're a good team, but not a great yeah. team. Look, Carolina's probably not going to win, but I'm just looking for any sort of silver lining after this game. I will say the one, the one guy that stuck out to me was Hunter Henry, and then they didn't throw it to him. You mentioned him earlier. They didn't throw it to him in the second half. I, I don't know what happened. Yeah, he he was eating in the first half. Like I said last week, that that carryover, he fed it to him plenty of times against Pittsburgh. The quarterback starts to get comfortable. That becomes his most reliable target. You can see it right away. He was going right back to Hunter. I know Juju was a big part of that last week. I know he was hurt. But Devontae, I thought he stepped up, made some plays early on in the football game. Another guy who stood out to me is Christian Barmore. He's had a huge year this year. He was all over the field where there's pressure on the quarterback, you know, making stops in the run game. He's a special player, man. If he can stay healthy for a full, you know, season, he's big, he's quick. You know, he plays with that, you know, aggressiveness. He's a, a going to be a staple in that defense for a long time. I know Bill loves him. He's a, he's a funny dude. I got to be his teammate for a couple of years. Like, like I was telling you, like earlier on the season, I asked him how many sacks he was going to get and all that stuff. He's really showed up, you know, all year long. When he's healthy and available, he's dangerous. Yeah, he's a beast, and especially too when you consider. Who's coming back next year, right? Matthew Judon's still under contract. And you're going to get your lockdown cornerback in Christian Gonzalez back next season as well as he makes his way back. And if Barmore, it feels like he's taking a step. I was actually looking at this the other day. A lot of these defensive linemen, like the fourth year is when they have like these massive breakout seasons. Like this happened for Fletcher Cox recently. Well, not recently, but in his fourth year, it's a guy that's, you know, had been one of the better defensive linemen over the past decade or so in the NFL. It took him until year four to really sort of get going and the other thing I would say with Barmore is he's finally healthy right like he'd been dealing with an issue last year and in his rookie season he flashed he was pretty good so if if you are looking yeah for positive things from this game Barmore would definitely be one of them I like if and if you can have that interior pressure to go along with what Judon brings from the edge I mean the Patriots defense I know that we're talking about a three and ten team it could be it's good this year but it could be really good next year it definitely can there's a lot of 
young pieces, some good veteran pieces as well to, to piece together. Defense isn't the issue. Like I said, with Bill Belichick there, you always know defense is going to be solid. They're going to come ready to play. They're going to be prepared. Going to give the offense a chance. The offensive side of things has to pick up their slack over the last several years, You know, whether it's just protecting the football, whether it's just controlling the game or just you know, holding on, possessing the football for a little bit longer than what they've had. I said, you have, we've seen games, flashes where it looks okay, then, you know, then there's three games where it looks terrible. So it was a great first half today. Second half just completely shut down. You know, Cole Strange goes down, and then you can't run the football, then the passing game gets shut down as well, then you have a whole lot of nothing. But this defense, I think they have a very bright future just offensively. They just have to do a great job of finding the right pieces, whether it's guys that are there, you know, quarterback, receiver, offensive lineman, whatever it is, just putting the right group of guys together along with, you know, whoever the play caller is, designing that playbook around those guys who are in the room and allow them to play to their strengths, especially at the quarterback position. Yeah, it's a great point, too, because, I mean, they've put this defense in a bad position over and over again. They're, they came into the week 30th in the NFL in time of possession, and today they had the ball for, what, 28 minutes and 11 seconds, and you're <laughs> going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Even if, as you mentioned, it's not the same Kansas City Chiefs team that we've seen in recent years, you still don't want to give Patrick Mahomes all these extra possessions. Yeah. <laughs> and your de- defense made plays for you, right? They turned Patrick Mahomes, and not that it was Mahomes' fault, but you turned him <laughs> over a couple of times. You made big plays. I don't know what's going on with Tony, man. Like, yes. Kadarius Tony after last week, that, that was not yeah. a great response for him personally. But we'll see what the Patriots end up doing, and hopefully they end up staying in that number two pick for the draft. And we can be talking about a good offense next year on Off the Pike and on FanDuel TV. Welcome back into Off the Pike. All right, James, we were talking on the FanDuel TV portion about this, about the defense letting the offense down or the offense letting the defense down and what they have to do. And that's why I just think like this is such a pivotal moment for the organization in terms of, hey, they have to nail this pick because unfortunately you missed on Mac. Mac's not going to be the long-term quarterback here. So you got to get this thing right. And the other big story this week has to do with the future of Bill Belichick because Tommy Curran basically said that they already made the decision in Germany to move on from Bill. Bill was asked about it this week. He said, I'm focused on the Chiefs. So, I mean, what do you think's going, like, do you think guys are talking about this in the locker room or anything like that? Do you think, and do you think it's been made? Like, the decision's been made? I'm sure guys are talking about it in the locker room. I don't believe the decision's been made. Like, if he made the decision in Germany, why is he still coaching? Like, I don't, you know, I don't understand. I know yeah. it's a respect thing. Like, you let him play out the season, but I don't think a decision has been made. I know Tom, Tom likes the, you know, spice things up a little bit with his with his stories. But I, I truly believe a decision hasn't been made. I'm sure after the season, a craft bill to have a, you know, a long conversation or plenty of long conversations about where they see this franchise going, whether he sees Bill a part of it, whether Bill wants to still be a part of it. Who knows what, what all is going to, you know, happen during this offseason. I just don't believe that conversation has been had. I'm, there's, I'm sure they've had, you know, conversations after every single week, but I don't think – after losing to the culture, like, oh yeah, all right, that that's it. Like, like what did that game mean? I don't like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm on your side too on that. I, I don't think they've made a decision because I think the other portion of this is you gotta ask yourself, like, okay, um, we know there's been bad drafts, but and we know the team has not been good for the past couple of years, but are you sure that you're gonna get it right? Like, are you sure the next head coach is gonna be good? Because <laughs> we know that Bill can still coach defense, right? Like yeah. we, we saw this in the, the past couple of weeks, like Bill can still coach good defense and he's without his best two defensive players, if you will. But if the problems keep happening in terms of the drafts, 
will Bill be willing to like have more help on that portion of it, right? Yeah. Like, is that something that Bill would agree to? And I just wonder after all these years where he had final say and yeah. all the power in terms of the draft picks and all that, would he be willing to sacrifice some of that to stay a head coach? Because I still think he can coach, although I disagree with that 27 to 10 decision, punting the ball away. <laughs> but I wonder like, do you, if Bill would ever take a back seat to that. Yeah, and that could be a topic of discussion that they're having. Like, if you still want to be the head coach here, we need you to step back from, you know, the GM role. We'll, whether it's a guy in-house or bringing in a different guy to, you know, handle this, you know, the scouting and drafting and all that, and Bill's just a full-time head coach, whether Bill will be willing to accept that, you know, I don't know. And like I said, that could be mm-hmm. one of the reasons they part ways where, okay, Bill's like, yeah, I want more control. I want to still be able to do what I've been doing and pick the guys. And yeah, maybe you know they trade them, whatever it may be. Yeah, I think that will be a big you know topic at hand because especially on the offensive side of things, they've hit it right. You know, a ton on the defensive side, on the offensive side, whether it's draft, free agents, not bringing in the right people to go out there and allow your offense to go out there and be one of the better offenses in the league, like it's been. You know, aside from the last you know three four years, it's like how can we get back to that? And is Bill willing to step back in that role? and not be a GM. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't have the answer to yeah. that. Only Bill knows that answer, but like I said, it's a, it's definitely something that has to be talked about. Yeah. I mean, you just go back to 2022. Cole Strange, of course, went down with the injury today. Unfortunately, Thornton, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, of course he's gone. Pierre Strong, Zappy, Kevin Harris, basically, not like the only guy that's starting every game was Cole, Cole Strange, Strange before the injury. And Zappy's, of course, getting his playing time now. And then, yeah, I mean, you have later Sam Roberts, Jason Hines, and, and Andrew Stuber, I think. But in terms of the guys that actually, like, the this is their second year, a lot of these guys should be contributing. It's just not happening. And you think all the way back to, like, say, 2019, right? Like, the big decision. And you end up taking the wrong receiver. And I know we've talked about the Nikhil Harry thing over and over again. But you just think about if if you just nailed one of those picks, if you just sign like and that's another thing I think they're going to have to have a conversation about, like, what's the philosophy in terms of, hey, DeAndre Hopkins had two suitors, you and another team, and you got outbid. You still don't have like a legitimate bona fide number one receiver. The closest guy you had to it is now playing for the Raiders and you chose to bring Juju here. So I do wonder if like philosophically we can get to a point where bill acknowledges like it's kind of a weapons league like look at all the best teams in the nfl right like san francisco has like would anybody on the patriots play on san francisco in terms of the weapons like that that's how good that group is right yeah look at the Bengals with jamar chase like it's a weapons league now yeah like i said when that topic comes up i'm sure you know you know crap may be like look look what like all these other teams are doing you know whether it's for their their young quarterbacks you see you know, like with Tua, they got two speedsters and they're trying to add more guys around them. You know, speed at running back and all that. You look at Brock Purdy, they have all the talent they have surrounding him. It's like we need to be more like that offensively or whatever. I mean, it could be veteran guys as well, rookies. However, maybe we have to do a better job of accumulating talent that's going to help our quarterback do well. And like the play caller has to help him in that sense too. And they all, it all has to mesh. And I think whether it's collectively, like Bill's still there, whether it's Kraft, you know, Bill O'Brien, Bill Belichick, whether it's them all together, you know, p- picking a quarterback and them working to pick the the receivers or, you know, the free agents that they want to bring in. You know, maybe Kraft wants to have a little bit more say. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I don't think that would be the case, but I don't know how much Kraft is that detailed <laughs> when it comes to, 
you know, knowing the game of football and scouting and all of that. But yeah, maybe they just have to handpick it together. And maybe Bill O'Brien has to be have more of a say. So if he's going to be the offensive coordinator and finding guys that you know he wants in his room to you know better execute his plan. I got to be honest. I would rather have like if if the choices are if Bill's going to stay, I rather have no Bill O'Brien back next year. I just I. I I'm, I haven't been impressed with them. Like, I feel like it's been underwhelming. And I know, like, we talked about Patricia all the time last year. By the way, I guess he's like the defensive play caller now for the Eagles. Oh, really? I, mean, right? I, don't, I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> I mean, he's they got to tie things up over there. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe they looked at it and said, you know, he did help us win a Super Bowl in 2017, not being able to figure out what Nick Foles <laughs> is doing in the RPO game. <laughs> maybe, 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 they, maybe that was part. Maybe they're like, oh, this. This guy was on a secret mission for us in 2017, so we're going to reward him calling him all the plays. I can't. I say that facetiously. But, yeah, I would I would like them to move on from Bill O'Brien. Because I, I just – I don't see any of the th- stuff that we heard about in the offseason, right? Like, remember they were talking about RPOs, and they ran a ton at Alabama. Mac ran RPOs. There was no RPOs in the offense when Mac was the quarterback. They did a little bit more play action over the past couple of weeks with Zappy, but I just – I don't see a lot of the stuff that – creative offensive minds used across the NFL. Like I, I've never c- come away from a game and said, Hey, Bill O'Brien was really good today. Like even the game we talked about last week, the Pittsburgh game that they won. I don't think that was like, Oh, Bill O'Brien called this some great play. No, it's like Juju went up and made a great catch to start the game. And that's sort of, they built off that, right? Like I, I don't, I, I'm, I've been very unimpressed with Bill O'Brien here. I, I can definitely see your reasoning. The only thing, only benefit I give him the quarterbacks in the room he didn't have any yeah. choice in, you know, picking who his quarterbacks <laughs> were going to be. So I say give him another chance, whether it's, like I said, letting him have an opinion on the guy, free agent or rookie that they plan on drafting, and then let him work from there, having a guy that he thinks can execute, you know, the plays that he wants to call on a game-to-game basis. And I think you can give a fair assessment, which, I mean, regardless, not every offensive coordinator gets to pick who he has at, you know, quarterback. Sometimes you get, you know, thrown in the system and you got to work with what's there. But in this situation, it's his first year working with guys who who knows whether he's actually a fan of or not or truly believes in those guys and their abilities. Yeah, I give him a, a little bit of a pass when it comes to that. But the offense has been underwhelming. I say you give him a chance next year if, you know, Bill's still there. If, Bill, if Belichick's not there, then who knows what the offensive situation is going to be like. But if Bill O'Brien is there, is to let him have some talk and – figure out whether it's a young guy, veteran, who he wants to come in there and he feels can execute his offense at a high level. Yeah, I just, I'm hopeful that they can at least get that part of it right because at least put the players in a position where they can succeed. Yeah. And I feel like they haven't done that the past two years, whether it's Patricia or Bill O'Brien. Oh, and speaking of the drafts, Chad Ryland, that kick was not even close. So he was... He came into the week third to last in percentage on field goals. He was, he was after that kick, he was 12 of 19, 63.2%. And I know Butker missed one too, who doesn't miss any. So yeah. like maybe there's something going on yeah, with the wind. Must have, must have been, you know, the wind, fourth round. the wind in that stadium can be very tricky. But he's had a, he's had a rough rookie year though, man. Watching that kid at Maryland, yeah. he, he was he was really good. I know it's a little bit different when you get to the league, a little bit more pressure versus playing at Maryland. Never really played in any high pressure situation. So yeah, it's been a it's been a rough start, but hey, you know, a lot of guys, you know, your rookie year, you just gotta move forward out of that. You gotta take it with a grain of salt, learn from it. We'll see what he does next year. 
Yeah, it's something about the Patriots and drafting kickers has not worked recently. <laughs> so I, hopefully he turns it around because he does have a big leg. Yeah. Like It's not like he doesn't have potential. There's a reason he went as high as he did. Although I mean, probably drafted him a little too high. But <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you about the Tavai play. What was, what was that? Like He gets the interception and then he just kind of laterals it. I'm like... <laughs> I didn't think it was a bad idea. He should have pitched it earlier. That's that's the problem. I don't know what he was doing. Like, he had it in one hand. Like, he was ready to pitch it, like, as soon as he – because, like, Jalen Mills was, like, calling for it pretty early. He would have pitched it sooner. You know, then he had an opportunity. He waited until he was, like, getting tackled to try and flip it. That's all That's all bad. But that's – I blame that on Travis Kelsey. You know, once, you know, you see that thing last week, guys, you know, throwing across the field and all that, and then everybody thinks they can do something like that. But it's a lot difficult when you try it in-game. Yeah, that was just hilarious to me. I'm like, oh, geez, this, the Chiefs are going to get this. Like, somehow they're going to pick this up and, go and, pick it up and get the ball back. Right, right, yeah, right, right after that. The other One of the other strange things I felt, it's I don't know if it's a storyline, but J.C. Jackson, where they bring him back from the Chargers. He missed the bed check before. I forget what game it was, but he missed the bed check. And then he wasn't playing in the first quarter, one of those games. And then today, I think he was dressed, but he wasn't playing. It's just been a weird situation since like jc jackson came back early. i don't really know what's going on with him yeah i'm not sure what's going on with jc obviously he had the off the field you know well not whatever the hotel situation and whatnot but yeah maybe he's not performing well in practice or, and they want to give you know the young rookie austin a, a opportunity to go out there he played decently today he had a few you know questionable holding calls and pass interference calls and that stuff but i thought he played fine for the majority of the game so yeah at that point in the year you're losing football team. Some guys haven't gotten reps, you know, all year long. You know, why not send those guys out there, give them some, you know, not meaningful reps, but some actual live game reps to see what they have. That's possibly what I can see. Like I said J- JC has had, you know, off the field things. So maybe it's some a conversation that him and Bill have had as far as like, we're going to go with the young guy. And I said, if we need you, we'll put you out there. Just stay ready to go. That type of thing. But JC's a talented yeah. kid, man. I'm I'm a big fan of his. And I know I know what type of player he can be. It's just he has to stay locked in at all times, on or off the football field. Because if if he if he's right, you get Gonzalez back next year. You got Jonathan Jones. You have a good you know solid guys right there. You know a good solid three to go out and you can you can play man to man with a lot of different weapons out there against many teams. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought he looked okay like his first game back. Yeah. Like he looked like okay. <laughs> Not that he's the J.C. Jackson we saw a couple of years ago, but he looked pretty good. I'm like, oh, maybe this will work. He's just bad playing for the Chargers. Maybe it'll be good for the Patriots, but it's it's sort of been underwhelming. Oh, so I was thinking about this like when I'm watching this Chiefs team. It kind of reminds me of you guys in 2018 where you guys had these like high-powered offenses for a bunch of years. 2017, that's Brady won MVP that season. Gronk was like outstanding that year. And then like 2018 was like a weird Super Bowl year for you guys. Like, and I remember Tom talking about like, what was it after the Chargers game? He's like, everybody thinks we suck or something like that. He said to the, <laughs> in his interview after. But I felt like for you guys, like what's similar to me with this Chiefs team is like, there's just something off with them right now, right? Like it just, and maybe getting Pacheco back will get them back on track because Pacheco has been really good for them. But they've had these issues with their receivers. And I felt like you guys almost at the end of the season, like morphed into a different team offensively. It was just like, hey, let's run the ball like a power run game with Sony Michelle and, and James Devlin in there at the fullback position, right? Like, was that something you guys had to like talk about internally to try to like find your identity late in the season or it, did it just naturally happen? I think it just naturally happened. I mean, we, we've we always been an offense that's 
a game plan offense. So based on, you know, how we think we can effectively move the ball on certain football teams, we can go into a week saying like, okay, they have really good run defense. We're going to lead into the passing game. We probably won't run the ball more than 15, 20 times. Like we'll go into the game knowing that or vice versa. Like, oh, they, they suck at, you know, their run defense. We're going to have to get, you know, 40 runs in there. Like it just all depends on the defense that we're going up against. And I feel like in 2018, that was one of those years where we can morph into, you know, kind of whatever we want to do. And in the playoffs, we really lean into our run game, Sony Rex. You know, Sony had a huge, you know, playoffs his rookie season. But the Chiefs, they more remind me of us, our our 2019 team, where we started off hot, like 8-0. We weren't really a good football team, but, you know, everybody was crowned. The defense was shutting down all these sorry teams. But then when they actually came to playing some good teams, which the Chiefs have beat some good teams, we just couldn't figure it out. Offense really stunk it up. Receivers really, we didn't really have much production from receivers. Run game wasn't the greatest either. We made it to the playoffs and lost the first week in the playoffs because we weren't that good of a football team. And that's kind of what the Chiefs are reminding me of. The receiving core has been underwhelming. Kelsey doesn't look 100%. He looks like he's just jogging around out there. I'm not sure if he's yeah. banged up or whatever's going on with him. But Pacheco is definitely a big part of this offense. Without him, they look completely different. He brings like the energy, the the aggressiveness, the juice that they really need, that that little spark plug type of thing, which I think, you know, Clyde Edwards O'Leary, that's probably like one of the, the better games of his career. I thought that was good to see from him. He made a few catches, had some nice runs, a big screenplay and all that. But yeah, they remind me of the, our 2019 team. Just offense, just finding ways to get by, to get wins, defense playing, you know, lights out, you know, every single week. That's, that's what it was for us. But when it came down to playoff time, yeah, we – they took that mask off of us and the Tennessee Titans beat us first. <laughs> Interesting. That was the boogeyman year, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's when was they, that the boogeyman had, year? had the shirts and all that. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're right though on Kelsey. Like he did not want to get hit in the end zone on that play. You could tell. Was it was, I can't remember if it was Duggar or Peppers Duggar, coming yeah. over one of those two guys. It was, it Duggar. was Duggar. He's Duggar. like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. And Clyde Edwards Alaire. That was a sick catch he made. I'm like, yeah. I was thinking about this yesterday watching the Vikings Cincinnati game. I'm like, how like this 2019 LSU team had Jamar Chase and Justin <laughs> Jefferson and Joe Burrow. And Clyde, Clyde. Like, how do they have all these guys? Like the, the talent on that team is like Je- Jefferson and Chase are like two of the top. You can argue Jefferson's the best receiver. There's two of the best five receivers in the NFL. Yeah. They're on the same team crazy. with a quarterback that's already gone to a Super Bowl. It's like crazy <laughs> to think about that. Oh, so when we, when you brought up the 2019 team. There was like this story. I don't know if it's myth or not. So maybe you can confirm or deny this. Did Antonio Brown have like the greatest practice of all time? I remember like when <laughs> when he when he came there, everyone was talking about like, oh, Antonio Brown and Tom Brady. Like he, like he was hitting, he hit him on every play. I mean, he, it was it was special. Not gonna lie. Like you know, sometimes you you hear about other guys, you play against guys. I mean, which he was great whenever we played against him. But you actually get a guy like on the practice field, you're just like. Oh, that that guy, that guy's different. Looks a lot different than, <laughs> than a lot of those guys lining up in that receiver line. And it's just, yeah, he was – and he worked hard, too. That's the thing. Like, I know whatever you want to say about him, like, off the field and all that, when it comes down to football, the dude works hard. Whatever catch he has, he's catching it, taking it to the end zone, you know, doing his celebrations, doing all – like, he's having fun out there. But he's just one of those guys. He's definitely one of the – the greatest receivers ever just to have him, have him in that locker room for, you know, the few days that he was there and on the practice field. He's definitely special when it comes to that. Him and him and Tom definitely had that connection. Like 
obviously, you know, Tom's going to make it work with a guy like that. He's going to do reps, you know, on the side just to make sure they're on the same page with the communication and all that. I just, it'd been funny to have him all year long because we had a lot of weapons that year. It was, you know, <laughs> Jules, Josh Gordon, him, like all that. That would have been crazy to have all those guys for the entire season. Yeah, I remember the Miami game where <laughs> – he was he he every time he made a catch he went nuts. I'm like, <laughs> but he does the same thing in practice so though. Sa- same thing in practice <laughs> though. He he make a play on scout team whatever. Like he's having fun out there. But that's just the type of dude that he is. He's high energy whether you know it's in the building on the practice field. But one thing you can't say about it, he, he works hard. I give him that man. Yeah, I remember when he jumped into the stands and it was yeah, an away yeah. game. Like, yeah, yeah, the Dolphins. Yeah. I think he, I, he's, he's from Miami, he does. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you guys know me, so I, I can jump in here. Yeah. So were you guys like when they decided to move on from like were guys in the locker room upset or did most people like understand they had to do it because of stuff going on? Yeah, I mean everybody knew. I mean they're not Crab Bill. They're not having that. You know, through, you know, throughout the entire season. Obviously, he, obviously he's a great football player and all that, but. Yeah, you're not trying to have to answer those questions, you know, every single week. He was I think it was, it was a legal case and all that, and he was yeah. making that worse. So that that never helps. <laughs> yeah, and then that was that was the year you guys ended up trading for Sanu, right? Yeah, we got Sanu that year too. So we we were just trying to figure it out, you know, offensively, receiver wise, just looking for anything to get us going. Like I said, the defense was was carrying us. We were we were winning football games pretty decisively. I mean, the defense yeah. was scoring, special teams was scoring, so that was, you know, giving us some more points per game offensively. We just, we just weren't it that year. Yeah, all things come to an end, I guess. That was kind of like the end of the. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was the starting to be the turning point. In <laughs> yeah, and then that's I, I just remember like seeing that Tom like remember he like was it a statement he released or. He like basically before he chose Tampa, he released like a thing saying that he was done with the Patriots. Essentially, I was like, man, this is just this is a really tough day. <laughs> you know, nobody nobody would believe it until we actually saw it. It's, it's still crazy to this day. Nobody would ever thought, you know, he was leaving, but he did it. When got him a Super Bowl, <laughs> which, is, which is still crazy to think about. You know, <laughs> I know. First year he goes there, he wins a Super Bowl, and he beats Mahomes. Like unbelievable. <laughs> and he beat Rogers, and he beat Breeze. Like an amazing run. Crazy man, one of a kind. I mean, like I said, they they had a good football team and all that, but not not just any guys walking in that locker room and just you know your Super Bowl champions like that without. And they they struggled, you know, those first few weeks too. You would have never thought, yeah, you know, they were gonna make it to the Super Bowl. But then once they they got it rolling, all those weapons in that defense, they were dangerous. Yeah, I remember thinking too, like Tom Brady is going to go play for a coach. Its motto is "Win or lose, we booze." So I'm like, I don't, I don't know how these two are going to get along. Like, I've, I've heard some crazy stories about him, but I'll say, I'll say, say those for another day. Oh, okay, man. fair enough. All right, that is three-time Super Bowl champ James White. James, thanks so much for the time, man. Thanks for having me. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers Stay Hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 money line bet wins. And I'm looking at this Monday night game. I like the Eagles to cover that two and a half. So I'm going to take the Eagles to cover the two and a half. And I'm going to parlay that with a Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown. You can get that at plus 207. So Eagles to cover the two and a half against the Seahawks and a Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. 
The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet. There's live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. Dive into the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Pike and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL, must be 21-plus in President Select States. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Welcome back into Off the Pike. Great stuff there chatting with James White. And I did want to follow up with something James and I were talking about, and that was the J.C. Jackson situation because he was dressed, yet he didn't play. So naturally, Bill Belichick was going to be asked about this after the game as we were talking about James and I thought it was a weird situation. So Bill was asked, why wasn't he available? Belichick says he wasn't available. Why was he active then? He wasn't available. Let's leave it at that. So there's something weird going on with this J.C. Jackson situation. Just it's been a bizarre situation since he came back here, right? Since he signed the first game, you're like, oh, okay, maybe he's going to be okay for the Patriots. And then the whole situation where he's missing bed check, as we're talking about with James, is just weird. It's just been a weird return here for J.C. Jackson. By the way, another thing I thought was interesting after the game, Ezekiel Elliott, he said after the game, this is from Mike Reese, the Chiefs plan was to take away the run. We could have picked up the pace in the second half when down multiple scores. I agree with that. We're talking about it. I still don't understand why they punted when they were down 27 to 10, but I don't know why they were going so slow. You have to score. Like, I I don't understand what they were doing. It felt like they almost like waved the white flag at the start of the fourth quarter, and they were just hoping they didn't get blown out worse than they were losing. I guess I don't know what the plan was, but, but it certainly was not. Didn't make sense to me. Anyway, I do want to get to the Celtics, you know, one of the good teams in town right now. And... I really felt like this is a statement that the Celtics made, not just tonight against Orlando, or I should say this afternoon against Orlando, but on Friday too, because this is an up-and-coming team in the Magic. And I actually think more highly of this Celtics team than I did less than 48 hours ago or whatever it was before the Magic game. I think more highly of this team right now because of what they did. And you can say, oh, Brian, it's two regular season games. No, I thought this is important, right? Because if you go back to Friday... You beat Orlando with your two main bigs, Alan Porzingis, unavailable. You were starting Lamar Stevens. You didn't even have an actual center to begin that game, right? I mean, you had Kata, but you started a non-center. And this is a physical magic team, and you win easily on Friday night. And then the same thing happens on Sunday. It's a 3 p.m. Sunday start. You're about to go on the road. You're about to go out west for a big road trip. Easily could have mailed this game in, but the Celtics, and especially considering the fact that Paolo Bancaro, who was bad on Friday, he had, what, 19 in the first quarter. He's going nuts. And the Celtics come out in the second quarter, they just dominate the game, 34 to 19. And the big thing about this game today is you never felt like the Celtics are going to lose, right? Once the second quarter started and they started to turn on, you're like, they're going to win this game. And that's something where we don't always see it with this team, right? Or at least over the past few years. And I did feel like this is different. Like, I felt like, What they wanted to do is send the Magic a message. You guys are not us yet. Like the Magic are a good team. They're going to be a playoff team. They have one of the best defenses in the NBA, all this. But they wanted to send a message like you're not us, right? You're not on our level yet. And I think the message was very clear, right? Like the Magic have this thing with the Celtics because of Eddie House. When Eddie House called them garbage last year, the Magic have like used this as a rallying cry. Cole Anthony talks about it all the time. And you come out and you just destroy this team. This is after you swept the Cleveland series as well. So it was 
a thing. This team against the Celtics, right? Like the Magic are trying to become who the Celtics are. Like that's who they're trying to get to. They're trying to get to this Celtics level where it's, hey, we have homegrown players like the Celtics had their homegrown stars and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and they have Paolo Bencaro and uh, and I was going to say Mo Wagner, but Franz Wagner and Jalen Suggs, right? All these guys, Cole Anthony, all these guys they drafted. They're trying to get to this place where the Celtics are. So this has been real to them. Like they measure themselves up against the Celtics. And I felt like at times last year, and I know Tatum missed one of those games, but I felt last year the Celtics weren't like in that same headspace as Orlando, where Orlando was wanted to win that game badly. The Celtics didn't treat it with that type of respect. And now that Orlando's decent this season, or I should say better than decent, they're a good team. The Celtics did take this seriously. And the Celtics did want to send a message. That's why I think more highly of this team, because this was them saying, we're the best team in the NBA. Okay, you guys aren't close to us right now. So you want to talk, all this stuff, Eddie House, blah, blah, blah. We're better than you right now. So I thought that was awesome. Because if you go back to last year, they're one and three against Orlando. If you go to the game they played on the 24th of November, the Celtics in that game, 96 offensive rating, worst of the season. Rebounding percentage was worst of the season. Net rating, worst of the season. Three-point percentage, worst of the season. Opponent's second chance points, they gave up 21. Tied for the worst they've had all season long. So they were getting out-physicaled by this team, right? They were getting pushed around, to use a football cliche, by the Magic over the past two years, where they were the team that wanted it more, and they were the more physical team. And that did not happen. The Celtics actually took it to the Magic from a physicality perspective. And if you just look at some of this stuff, now, we know that Orlando is not a good shooting team, right? They need to get to the free throw line, and they need to get into the paint because they're a bad three-point shooting team. So if you look at Friday, the points in the paint, 52-52, okay? The Magic are third in the NBA at 56.4 on the season. So 52, that's fine, but also the Celtics had 52, right? So you match them at like one of their strengths because if you look at the Celtics, they're 27th in points in the paint at 45.3. So you beat them at their own game on Friday night, right? Then in this game on Sunday, you outscore them in the paint 44 to 34. That 34 number for Orlando, just 34 points in the paint, it's the lowest they've had in a game this season. So basically what the Celtics did is they took away the strength of Orlando in both these games where they were the more physical team. They were the team that was actually getting into the paint more. They were the team that was more successful in the things that Orlando does well. That's the most impressive thing to me that, hey, we actually beat them at their game, right? Like it's not we made them play different. We actually just took it to them and beat them at their game. And then if you look at the free throws, so the Magic take 27.3 free throws per game, which is second in the league. They have to get to the free throw line of the paint, as we mentioned, because they're not a good three-point shooting team. They took just 18 on Friday. And no team in the NBA takes fewer than 18.9. And they took 18 on Friday night. The Celtics actually took more, 20 on Friday. They And the Celtics only take 21.6 per game, which is 19. So it's not a big number for the Celtics, but they beat them in the free throws on Friday night as well. Now, in this game, Orlando got to the free throw line 24 times. But like I mentioned, the paint numbers were significantly down in this game on Sunday. And if you look at the Celtics, they both took 36 threes. And the problem for Orlando is they only hit 11 of them, right? So 30.6%. So they're not a good three-point shooting team. 29th in the league in makes per game from three-point territory at 10.2. So because they weren't successful getting into the paint and scoring at the paint over these past two games... They were taking threes, and they're not good at taking threes. That's how good the Celtics' defense was, where they were not allowing Orlando to get to the bucket outside of, like, that first quarter where Apollo was going nuts, right? So I thought this is a really gritty win, and this is a team that is known. The Orlando's supposed to be this tough team, and they are a tough team. 
You look at it on the season, they came in at third in defense, one spot ahead of the Celtics, so that'll change after this one, but a 109.5 rating on the season, third best in the NBA, as we mentioned. Celtics put up a 129.3 rating, and Indiana leads the league at 121.9. So a 129.3 rating on Friday. And then today, they were at 115.2, not a great number, but on the flip side of that, you held Orlando to a 99 offensive rating. The Grizzlies have the worst offense in the NBA at 106.5. So even if your offense wasn't as good as it was on Friday night, your defense was unbelievable in this game. Where this is another thing where they're sending the league a message, I feel like, like, hey, when we want to, we can be an elite defense. And the numbers tell you they're an elite defense. But I felt like in this game, especially in the second quarter, the defense from the Celtics was suffocating. And there were some moments. I'll get to those in a second here. But the more and more I think about it now, like after a while, and I know you're thinking I'm crazy saying this after two games against the Magic, but I'm just thinking about the Eastern Conference. And I look at it, okay, the Pacers and the Magic are sort of those up-and-coming teams. And I don't really worry about them in a seven-game series right now. Now, look, things could change. Somebody can, like, if they get involved with the Raptors guys, maybe something changes there. But as they currently are constructed, both those teams have major flaws, right? In terms of Indiana's defense is just atrocious. And with Orlando, their offense isn't good enough. Like, they need help offense. So I can't take that team seriously in the playoffs with that type of offense. And the same thing with Indiana on the flip side of that is I can't take them serious because of their defense. Then you think about the Bucs, they have their issues defensively, and they don't really have resources to upgrade. Like, they don't have the ability to make moves based on their financial situation and based on trading assets to pick a player like the Dame Lillards of the world, right? So they don't really have a lot of wiggle room to improve that team. You look at Philly, that's sort of the wild card to me where, hey, if they had a piece, Embiid's playing the best basketball of his career. As we know, Maxi has been awesome. Right now, the Celtics, they match up really well with Philly and I think the Celtics would win a playoff series against them relatively easily based on, and now obviously health and all that counts into this, but they're a team that I don't think Levine makes sense for them and he's out right now anyway, but could they get involved? Like Nick Nurse used to coach in Toronto. Could they get involved with one of those guys? Like, I feel like they are a player away. Like they need one more guy. And then with Miami, that's the team that's always going to be in your head, right? No matter what they do during the regular season, you see those guys in the playoffs, you're going to be worried about it. But I just look at the East and you compare that to what is going on out west where you have the reigning champs, the Nuggets. Minnesota is no fun to play. We learned that. That defense is incredible. The Clippers are awesome right now. Harden's playing unbelievable for them. The Suns have Durant, Booker, and Beal is just getting going there. Luka's having his best season of his career with Dallas, and I know Kyrie's dealing with an injury. The Lakers are legit. They just won the in-season tournament. And OKC's putting something special, putting together something special, I should say. So I just look at, if I compare the east to the west, I just feel like the West is way deeper. Like, this is why this is such a good opportunity for the Celtics team. They've been unbelievable at home. They're 14-0 at home. You get home court advantage throughout the Eastern Conference playoffs. Like, it is going to be a war out in the Western Conference. So if you can just find a way to get into the playoffs, get the number one seat, I just think the avenue for them to get there is like the favorite out West, Denver. I think they're way to get to the finals, the road they're going to have to take is way more difficult than the road the Celtics have to take. Now, like I said, if Philly makes a big move, we'll have to reassess things, but I just feel like this team is really set up to succeed, and that's why it just felt like the past couple games, there's been something different, like the mentality with the team, and maybe the answer is just it's Jalen, where Jalen has played much better over the past week, really, ever since I did that pod about him and Porzingis, who's the better offensive player, ever since I did that, Jalen's going nuts. But anyway, my point with that is just, he is like, 
you feel him out there, right? Like, that's what made Jalen All-NBA last year. Second half of the season, really, post-All-Star break, he went nuts, where he was putting pressure on the defense. You were feeling his physicality. And I do think, and I do think we're seeing that now. And I do also wonder, too, like, the Celtics team, they made it all the way to the finals. They made it to game six against the Golden State Warriors. That got away from them, right? And so I wonder if, like, the core guys, like, they realize, hey, we cannot let, let another opportunity like that get away. If we have a chance to win a championship, we have got to be all in. And I think having guys like Kristaps Porzingis, who is here to win, that's what he wants to do, right? He could have gone anywhere that he wanted to, but he wanted to come here. He opted into his contract so he could be traded here, and he wanted to win, right? And with Drew Holiday, this is a veteran that is obviously probably upset that Milwaukee traded him to Portland, right? I mean, I know he's upset about how he wasn't notified right away or given any sort of heads up. He wants to win a championship, right? He wants to beat his former team. He wants to win another championship like he won in Milwaukee. And I feel like all these pieces are sort of coming together at the right time. And I do think maybe that's why we're seeing, I don't want to say they're more serious, but I feel like they're professional every night now where they're not taking nights off. Where how many times last year did we talk about like, remember that game that they got killed by Oklahoma City? They didn't show up. They had a ton of those games last year where this year, even the losses that they had, I don't, it wasn't for like them, them not showing up. They got beat by Indiana. Halliburton made crazy plays. Minnesota played great defense. Anthony Edwards stripping Tatum at the end of the game. Like there's not, there hasn't been these games. I guess the closest would have been the magic, but they learned their lesson from that one and they just beat the shit out of them in back-to-back games. I just feel like this team, whether it's a maturity thing, whether it's these pieces just fit together so seamlessly, it feels like there hasn't been a big transition for Drew or Porzingis. I would say, and I said this before, the guy that's, making the biggest change is Jalen, but it feels like now he's sort of at the perfect comfort level for him right now. Like this is the best stretch of basketball he's played all season long, these past four games or so. So I don't know what it is. It just feels different to me right now. This team seems like they've, I don't want to say figured it out because you got to go to the playoffs, you got to win the finals and all that to say like they've definitely figured it out. But from a professional standpoint, from showing up every night, they're much more mature than they were just last year. I think I don't even think you can argue to the contrary because they don't have these duds that we saw last year. And I know we're still early, but we're 25, what, 25 games into this thing or so. Like, they, this is who they are. Like, they're, they're a really good team and they show up every night, which you couldn't always say in the past. Okay, speaking of Jalen, he was awesome in this game, 31 points, six assists, and just some of the plays. Like, right away, he has this great hit-ahead pass to... Drew Holiday for a layup after Derek White got a block. It was like a touchdown pass, perfect pass by Jalen. And then he got his shot blocked. He got the block back and finished at the cup. Like that was, I'm not giving up on the play. Like I'm going to be more physical than you. That was on Batatze. That guy, he got abused in this game. Then he drove, he found Al for a wide open three, which his passing has been a lot better over the past four games or so. He had a step back on Batatze. He went through him in transition. I don't know how he kept getting switched on to Jalen. Like, you almost feel bad for the guy. Then he had a transition dump off pass to Porzingis where Porzingis was rim running and Jalen just kind of like left it behind him and Porzingis dunked. I mean, it was an awesome play. And then at the end of the game, he just took over. He hit a corner three in transition. Then he hit another corner three in transition. Then he hit that like pull up three and he, he they called the timeout. He was going nuts. Missoula, I never seen Missoula that fired up. Maybe I have, I just don't remember. Like he was so fired up for... Jalen in that particular situation, which you you love to see that. So something's changed with Jalen, whether it's a comfort thing, whatever it is, he looks different over the past four games or so. Like, and I hope this is the version of Jalen we get the rest of the season because that version of Jalen is an absolute monster. Tatum, solid game, 23 points, did not shoot the ball particularly well. I did think that it's interesting that 
Now, entering tonight, he was shooting 79.3% from the free throw line, worst of his career. He's been north of 85% the past three seasons. So I don't know. I've mentioned this before on the pod, just something to monitor. He had a nice ISO on Batate into a step back three, had a Euro around Wagner, which was sick. He then later on in the game, I thought this, and this is what I'm talking about, taking this game seriously. So he gets the rookie Howard switched onto him, just abuses him, step back three over him. On this, the next play down the court, the same sequence, he goes after Apollo, goes up for a dunk. Tatum comes over and he just sticks it on the backboard. Like he comes over and he blocks Paolo Bencaro. And you see this like primal screen. And Paolo and Tatum are buddies. Like they're both Duke guys, right? So like Paolo has said that he reaches out to Tatum for advice and all that. But that that was like, a, I talked about the statement at the beginning about how this team was sending a statement to the Magic. I thought that was Tatum sending a statement because that was like, holy shit, when he made that block. That was, that was impressive. So yeah, Tatum... The three-point shooting has not been great over really after he had the hot start to the season, but hopefully that'll tick up. But he's been doing everything else. I mean, he's been awesome on the defensive, and I thought that was a huge, not that the Magic had a chance to come back and win at that point, but that was like Jalen had like the moment where he hit the three at the end there and they called the timeout. But that was like maybe the number two moment of the night when Tatum had that block. I thought it was a pretty good Porzingis game too. He had 15 and 10. They ran an ISO play for Mambatatze, not like, hey, I'm going to post him up. He like ISO'd him up at the nail and he went by him and hit one of those like little push shots. He spun around him and hit a push shot. I thought that was pretty cool. Then he had, I mentioned the Jalen play where he found him. I just love when he, he when he rim runs. After he gets a rebound, he is running and Jalen finds him on the break. And then he had that crazy follow on the Derek White miss three where he set the screen for Derek White. Derek White took a step back three and then Porzingis just beelined for the basket Ball comes out. He's just there to dunk. It gets an AM one. That was a big moment, I thought, in the game as well. So it was a fun Porzingis game. I thought Pritchard had some big moments. Now, of course, he hit the six threes the other night. But in this game in particular, right away, he ripped Wagner, and it led to a Tatum dunk on the other side. Then he hit a corner three, which is big. Keep the three-point shooting going after he hit the six the other day. And then he had a couple of nice passes. He had a drive where he was on the right side, and he flung a one-handed pass to Al. Al was in the corner and Al did the right thing where he sort of, he came up a little bit so Pritchard could see him. He flung that ball over to Al. Al nailed a three. I mean, that, that was an impressive shot by Al, but I love the fact that Al moved up to make himself visible, but an awesome find by Pritchard. So two good Pritchard games. I know he didn't have the numbers that he had on Friday, but back-to-back good Pritchard games. Hauser was actually 0 of 3 from deep, which is shocking to see, but two things that jumped out to me are two similar plays. A guy comes over, I forget who it was that closed, it might have been Wagner actually, closed out on him. He drives by, I think it was Wagner, if I'm wrong on that, I apologize. But whoever closed out on him, you're closing out, this is one of the best three-point shooters in the league, right? So you're going to close out hard and try to contest the shot. So as the closeout's coming, Hauser just goes by the closeout, and then he does like a fake pass to the top of the key, defender jumps and he shoots a nice little floater. I'm like, I didn't know he had that in his game. And then he drove by Wagner later on in the game and finished around him to make it 92-84. Then he hit a step back on uh, Franz as well. So I thought that was really nice to see in terms of, um, he didn't hit the, uh, not the step back. I'm talking about, that was Jalen hit the step back. But he drove by Wagner and he finished, made it 92-84. So he had two like drives for buckets in this game, which you ordinarily don't see from Hauser. So I love it. I mean, and you're going to have to drive closeouts because guys are going to close out on Hauser super hard because he's just, he's such a good shooter right now. I mean, if you look at it, Prior to this game on Sunday, since the start of November, 63 of 129 from deep, 
63 makes, that was 13th during that stretch. 129 attempts tied for 29th. So 29th in attempts, yet 13th in makes. And the 48.8% since the start of November, it's the best of any player that's taken 100 threes during that stretch. So he's legitimately been one of the best three-point shooters in the league. And I just love the fact that we saw him driving closeouts tonight. That floater too, man. Like that was a nice floater. All right. We did see the double big a little bit tonight. And Alan Porzingis, the numbers have not been good with those two guys on the court together. The defense has, the offense has not been good. They've been slightly in the negative with those two guys on the court. But you can see why Joe wants to keep trying this because you have so much versatility with Al defensively. And then secondarily, you have a situation where like by versatility defensively, I mean, you can have Porzingis be the roamer with Al out there who can handle the big, right? So Porzingis can roam around muck shit up, block shots, similar to Rob Williams. Now, different type of players, but you get my point. Like, you can have that Roma role that the Celtics always like to have with Robert Williams. So it's enticing on that side. And on the flip side, if Al's hitting his threes, like he hit the threes tonight, he opens things up offensively too, because then you have Porzingis can be the screener and you can stick Al in the corner and he's certainly going to get the attention out there and defenders are going to have to pay attention to Al, especially if those shots go down. So you can see why they want to do it, but... Anyway, I don't know. Maybe I'm overblowing this whole two-game thing against Orlando. I just, I felt like they played really well over this stretch. Now you go out west for a huge stretch of the series as well, or season as well. You're 20 and five. I just feel like this team, I think they turned a corner. I do. And they were already one of the best, if not the best team in the NBA. But I think these past couple games, it has been really fun to watch this team play. Now watch the, like, lose to the Warriors and the Kings on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm not predicting that, I'm saying, but after I have this take, like, something crazy like that will happen. But I'm fired up, man, for this stretch. You got the Warriors who, they have their whole Draymond situation. The Kings are a good team, playoff team from a year ago. Clippers on Saturday, as we mentioned earlier, that team is good. That Clippers team is really good right now. And then you get the Lakers on Christmas. Like, this is an awesome stretch. And I know a lot of you probably won't be able to stay up for that game on Tuesday and the game on Wednesday because they get underway after 10 p.m. So it, that, that does kind of stink. But I'm excited for the weekend games, or by the weekend, I mean Christmas on Monday and the Saturday Clippers game. I'm more excited for the Clippers game, actually, than the Lakers game. I think that's going to be an awesome game. All right, a lot more to get into coming up next. Producer extraordinaire Jamie McClellan will hop on. We'll go through some of the bets we made this weekend. Uh, neither one of us did well this weekend. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back into Off the Pike. Joining us now, producer extraordinaire, Jamie McClellan. Jamie, busy day. Patriots did their job. They lost. Make sure we keep that draft pick, baby. And then the Celtics. <laughs> Impressive win for the Celts over the Magic. Back-to-back wins over the Magic after sweeping the Cavaliers. So do you think I'm exaggerating like this? I don't know. It feels different to me right now, Jamie, the Celtics team. And I know it's just two games against the Orlando Magic, but Jalen's playing a lot better than he was earlier yeah. this season. And I, they dominated that team. Like, the Magic did not look like they were on the same level. And I know they're missing some guys, right? Like, in terms of they don't have Wendell Carter, Fultz is hurt, like, all this. I get that. But they did not look like they were on the same level as the Celtics these past two games. No, and they've been looking good this whole home stretch. But before that, you mentioned their their worst loss was against the Magic. So how could you not be excited when they blow them out twice in a row? Yeah, we don't have, and this is something I was mentioning earlier, we don't have those losses that we experienced last year. I don't miss on, them. 
Yeah. No, like just like the no-shows, right? The random yeah. game, they don't show up. You don't have those. And they beat the shit out of the bad teams, right? Like when you play Washington or you play Chicago, right. and I know that was like a point thing too, but they made sure that they blew these teams out, which last year sometimes they would play down to the competition. In this case, like you're not playing down to Orlando. Orlando's a good team, but they took it to them. Like you could tell like this game, like they kind of wanted to send a message, not only today, but on Friday yeah. as well. No, for sure. Just, they just have so many weapons too. It's like someone steps up every night. So it's, you know, just probability wise, they like, you're never going to have these duds when you get so much offense from so many different players. Yeah, for sure. All right. So let's visit our <sighs> bets from the weekend. My NFL bets were not good. Although <laughs> I did hit one on Thursday night, which was okay. nice. I had a big one on Thursday night. It had some NBA in there as well. But the, the weekend, not kind to me. So I had the four-game money par- money leg parlay. The Bengals to beat the Vikings. Boom, we hit that. It only took over time, but we hit that. <laughs> then we had the Niners to beat the Cardinals. That did happen. The San Francisco, even though that game was... Tighter than expected. It, yeah, I mean, as we're recording, it's the end of the third quarter, 35-16. to 16. They're going to win this game. But yeah, definitely tighter than most people thought. The Rams-Commanders, I also had that game. As we're doing this, the Rams have a 20-7 to 7 lead in the fourth quarter of that one. Okay. But the reason I got eliminated from this is in the Money Lake Parlay, I took the Carolina Panthers to lose to the Atlanta Falcons. And somehow... The Carolina Panthers won nine to seven. Did you see that? There was like nobody at the game. They were selling tickets for four dollars. It was pouring rain. I saw and and they didn't even score a touchdown. They still somehow won. So that's that's what lost my money like parlay. Ugly now game. It, unreal. I'm glad I didn't watch any of that nine seven man. <laughs> it's like the Chargers game a couple of weeks ago six nothing. Remember that? Oh, Brady's words are very pressing. You know, he talked about all the mediocrity in the league. It's like how many times have we seen a no touchdown winner this year? I mean, the Pats have done it a million times. Like you said, there was that what three nothing game last week. Yeah, Some ugly football. Crazy. I think they should trade for Fields. If if the Bears are going to take Caleb Williams number one, Atlanta <laughs> should trade for Fields. You can't go into next season with Ritter. You have too many. Like they no. have good players on that team. Like they have legit weapons. Drake London's a good player. Bijan yeah. Robinson is a good player, right? Kyle Pitts is supposed to be this like generational tight end. Is he Johnny ever gonna Smith. do? Yeah, Johnny Smith. Yeah, <laughs> he had a big play today, like a sixty-yard catch. But yeah. Oh, did he? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I mean, if I'm them, I would get in the field sweepstakes if they decide to, if Chicago decides to go with Caleb Williams, which I think is going to happen. I just, I think you got to reset the rookie clock in terms of the draft situation there, where you have four years or five years, I should right. say, with the quarterback on a rookie contract. Like, I'm not convinced enough to say, like, I want to give Fields mega money. But if I'm Atlanta, I would trade for him because He's got what something. else are you do? And you have Desmond Ritter. It stinks. Yeah, I mean, if they're willing to give him up for not that much, a third-round pick or something, a fourth-round pick, you think he would take more than that? I don't know. I think it's going to depend on how the rest of the season goes because he, yeah. he's been he's been playing better. Yeah. I didn't see, I didn't see like, m- much of his game okay, today, yeah. obviously, because it, it was the same, yeah, same time as the Patriots. But they, in fairness, they were going up against that Browns defense, which is Miles one Garrett. of... Scary yeah, motherfucker. If not the best defense in the NFL. Yeah, he... What if Fields... Yeah, Fields only threw for a buck 66, so not the best Fields game. But I don't know, if he plays well down the stretch of the season, yeah, it's going to impact the value. The only You're thing in- that... Sorry, well, I was going to say the only thing the Bears have working against them is teams are going to know they have to trade him if they're taking right. Caleb Williams, you know? But you mentioned with uh, James White about the stock in terms of the Panthers winning. As we're talking right this second, Brian, the Patriots' strength of schedule has dipped 
below the Panthers. So the Panthers still have one more loss than the Patriots, but if they tie, I, it, it's getting closer now where it looked like obviously that number moves around a lot, but they might have a tiebreaker over the Panthers if they finish with the same record, the Patriots. That would be insane. That would be insane if the Panthers pick up another win. They play the Bucs one more time. Maybe maybe that's the game they win. I don't know. Yeah, the Buck. Yeah, that's a winnable game. I'd that's a so. winnable game. The the Bucks game. We're gonna be like watching that, like as if I'll be watching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's a meaningful game. Like in the, it actually is a very impactful game. But it's it's just funny that like we're talking about that, but like the the Bucks Panthers game is like a very important game in the NFL. <laughs> Going up against Jets Pats, two marquee games. Yeah. Um, okay. So what? How'd your bets do, Jamie? <sighs> if we must, Brian. I felt like the Patriots today were just nothing. Nothing was going right for us. Uh, I had also, like you said, I had Falcons over Panthers. Eh. And then I mentioned on the last pod that uh, I thought that Tommy DeVito was the the honeymoon phase was bound to end. I didn't think it was going to end this quickly where <laughs> he did not going to do much. He got sacked seven times today by the Saints. They were looking pretty ferocious. He did lead the team in rushing yards, but uh, they also didn't score a touchdown like a lot of other teams this week. So that did not hit. I had the Patriots uh, plus eight and a half. That did not hit. Uh, I had Zeke over 62 and a half yards. That also did not hit. So <laughs> it was a bloodbath for me today. Yeah, I, uh, well, the Juju thing didn't even happen for me because he was injured. I guess that's why the, the lines were so crazy. That right. Remember, it was like, like 40, 40 yards plus 320 for 40 yards. I was like, this is insane. He, he ended up missing the game. Which was unfortunate for Zappy because Juju was good last week. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe fortunate for us as Patriots fans because it helped you lose the game that Juju wasn't playing. But Juju did look good last week. And unfortunately, so I didn't get to do that prop. I think he would have. I mean, it's not like Douglas wasn't like heavily involved yeah. in this game. I mean, they went to him, but it was basically a lot of Hunter Henry. Yeah, he looked good again until yeah. Zappy didn't do him any favors of that pass where he kind of bent his knee backwards and stuff. Oh, you know? yeah. That looks painful. Not yes. as painful as Cole Strange, though. Like that. Yeah. I'm wondering what's going to happen there. It looks like he's going to be out. I mean, it's probably season-ending surgery. Yeah, I know that's unfortunate. It looked like at least I don't know. I haven't seen an update on it. Just that it, it was a knee situation, but you could tell like he was in a ton of pain when he went down. He's had some bad luck over the past couple of years. Yeah, uh, David Andrews said that Cole Strange didn't want to be carted off. Instead, he wanted to walk. Cole's a tough kid. Good spirit. Yeah, Ryan, I gotta take you something you said earlier though. You're more excited for the Clippers game than the Lakers. Explain. Yeah, no, just because of the matchup. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, the Lakers-Celtics rivalry and all that is massive, but I um like from a historical perspective. But that Clippers team is really good. They were the final leg of my parlay on Thursday night to beat the Warriors. Had to sweat that out because the Warriors were trying <laughs> to get back into it. They had no Paul George, but Harden's been like awesome for them. Yeah, Harden's yeah. been awesome, and Kawhi looks like. Kawhi, like the guy that was playing against Phoenix in the playoffs, and he was awesome in those first game and a half before he ended up, or the first two games, and then he got injured. He was awesome during those two games last year. So I just think they're a tough team. They yeah. they have, and then you you start to think about it, like the fact that the Western Conference has all these teams that are loaded. I, I mean, I guess by the time Christmas rolls around, I'll be fired off of the Lakers too. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I like this. I like the matchup against, because the Clippers are, like, trying to do what the Celtics did, right? Like, build it around two wings. And they've just, like, never... Those guys have never been healthy. And I think they did have to make, like... Everybody shit on the Harden deal. I thought it was, like... I don't know. I, I don't know how you play with all these guys. But 
give him credit. Like Harden's making it work right now. Now we do know that he's a playoff choker. Like that's sort of like his <laughs> yeah, resume. Sure. So we'll see when they get to the playoffs, but he looks good right now. Like he, he was really good in that game. I watched on Thursday. Yeah. I was watching last night. I just, they had it on at the restaurant. I was at in LA, but uh, they scored like 145 points last night. Like they blew out the Knicks. So they're clicking for sure. Yeah. They're, they're a scary team. They're, they're a scary team. There's a lot of good teams out West compared to the East. Like, yeah. This will be a really fun little West Coast road trip for the Celtics. Yeah, it should be. Sacramento, different type of teams too, right? The Warriors are a disaster right now. Yeah. Sacramento wants to play like super fast, get up and down the court with Fox. And then you have the Clippers that are a more methodical style. But now they're more pick and roll heavy because they have Harden. And then you have the Lakers that are just huge. Like that team is massive with Davis and LeBron. What's your uh, prediction for the Celtics win-loss record? the road trip four and oh four and oh all right i like it uh no i'll say three and one just to be safe like maybe what do you think they drop i was gonna say maybe the kings are the like the kings game could be tough because back to back and the way that they play i haven't seen do the kings play tuesday too though because if they play tuesday then it's not Mm, as bad and it's not like uh you're going from san francisco to sacramento so it's not oh the kings don't play on tuesday okay so i'll say that one schedule loss Wednesday in Sacramento, and then they beat the Clippers in like a good game on Saturday afternoon. Mm. I think the Lakers on Monday might be a tricky one, though. I could see them dropping that. That's tough in LA. Yeah, Lakers are tough. They're, I mean, they're a legit team. I, I think they still need probably a little bit more scoring, but yeah, they're they're legit. That'll be fun, though. Yeah. All right, Jamie. Good stuff, man. Thank you, Brian. All right, as always, make sure to get your voicemails in, 617-396-7172. Email your thoughts and questions to offthepike at gmail.com. Thanks to Jamie McClellan and Steve Surdy for producing this podcast, and we'll chat in a couple of days. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Or call 1-877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.